And we don't want you to miss that at home either. And just we spontaneously started playing a song, and I just want to share that with you this morning. And age to age he stands, and time is in his hands, the beginning and the end, beginning and the end, the Godhead three in one, he's the Father's Son, the lion and the lamb, the lion and the lamb. How great is our God? Oh, sing with me. How great is our God? And all will see. before a pastor comes he's the name he's the name above all names that is worthy worthy of all praise and my heart will see Praise the Lord. Before we get into the main service and I address you here this morning, I want to first of all get through some protocol. I want to do the declaration with you. We want to treat this as normal as possible here today. So if you'll do the declaration with me, 
It should maybe show up on your screen. If not, most of you know it by heart. Are you ready? Lord, today by faith, we declare that we are walking in the manifestation season. As your faithful remnant, we will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing, and we will see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. We declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Can you give the Lord praise right there where you're at today? Hallelujah. How many believe in the declaration? Give the Lord praise. I also want to read to you my scripture text for today. If you have your Bibles, I got two verses of scripture. If you'll open up to the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, and Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 5 and 3, a very familiar scripture when Jesus is writing about the Beatitudes. And verse Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things shall be added unto you. Let us pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to, Lord, be able to address this wonderful, wonderful church online. I thank you, God, with all that is going on that we don't understand. We thank you that you're still on the throne. We're thankful that you are God and that you got all the answers and the solution to the world's problems. We are thankful that in the time of trouble, you are our present help. We thank you that you are refuge, our buckler, our shield, and our high tower, and our rear guard. We're thankful that we have to fear nothing, God, because our trust is in you today. We worship you, we honor you, and we praise you. Now I ask you, Lord, to anoint me to help me to minister to this assembly online and all of those that may even be outside of our local church watching. I pray blessings upon each household. I pray, Lord, that you would enter into their homes and their hearts here today and that you would minister to them with the revealed, manifested presence of God. And we give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. God bless you here today. Good morning, Palace family. I want to connect with you here today, and I trust that you're all doing well and you're highly favor the Lord. This is a very different kind of a setting here today. We have felt the very wonderful presence of God. It has just been marvelous here, but it's kind of odd. It takes me back to the early times of my ministry when me and Jenny were over on Ninth and Cedar, and, one, and there was a few services where it was just me and her and little Benjamin, and that kind of reminds me today because all of the seats are empty, and it's a different kind of a feel, but one of the first things we're going to do when we get back, we're having some of the biggest group hugs that you've ever seen in your life because I'm going to tell you I miss your presence here today and as your shepherd I have wept that I've not been able to be with you in bodily but we're together in spirit we are unified as a church and you and I are the church of Jesus Christ but I want to take this opportunity to preach you as normal as possible with all that is going on I do not want to allow the present circumstances rob us of our focus of our, not only our future potential but 
our present potential. As a congregation, we have turned the corner, spiritually speaking, and we have gained momentum in the things of the Spirit in the last three to six months. I feel like that we as a church have went into a deeper dimension, into a higher level of the Spirit than ever before. We as a church have been experiencing great growth, both spiritually, physically, and numerically. And I realize that we are living in some troublesome times, especially with this growing concern about the virus that you and I face in our society. But even though we are to take this very serious and we're not to hide our heads in the sand and ignore it like an ostrich, yet neither can we allow it to consume us as children of God because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And even though that God can use this virus to his glory, we know that for all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and to them who are the called according to his purpose. Yet if we're not careful, we can miss the opportunity of the spirit due to us being so focused on the physical and the tangible that we're not paying attention to the spiritual and the supernatural. Hallelujah. Our theme for the church staff at the beginning of the year 2020 was this, Focus 2020. It is imperative that we keep 2020 vision in the spirit and not be distracted by the present day affairs and circumstances that you and I face. The Holy Spirit spoke to me this week and he said, Pastor Kent, I want you to have the spirit of the sons of Ishakar. I want you to know the times. I want you to understand the season in which you live. I want you to be updated to the things that's going on, but I do not want you to be distracted by those things. There is a fine line. Yes, we have to pay attention to what's going on around us. We have to know the season. We have to have wisdom in how to operate in it. We have to calm our people down. We have to tell them that we don't have to fear. But on the other hand, we cannot allow it to distract us from the things that God is wanting to do in our midst. If we're not careful, the enemy will use this virus as a smokescreen to distract us as a church from our call and our mission and our mandate. As your shepherd, I will update and deal with the virus when it's deemed necessary. But on the other hand, we cannot allow it to distract us and destroy the momentum that you and I have gained in the last few months. Oh, hallelujah. And we cannot allow the virus to consume us and cause all of our attention and our focus to be placed upon it. All we hear about is the virus. The virus. I'm so sick of hearing about it. I don't know if you are or not, but TV reminds us. Family reminds us. Social media reminds us. Phone conversations reminds us. Sermons reminds us because that's all that preachers are preaching about. Going to the grocery store reminds us. But what irritates me the most is the bathroom reminds you because of toilet paper. Amen? It just seems like there's a shortage of toilet paper. But all the attention is on the virus, the virus, the virus. But there's a greater one to turn our attention to here today. And that's where I'm going to take your attention. We're not going to address the virus. We're going to address the name of Jesus Christ, the supreme Lord of lords and the King of kings. And our focus is upon him and him alone. This morning I want to talk to you. Hallelujah. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost here today. I want to talk to you on a, to talk to you about kingdom living. As we all know, Jesus came preaching a kingdom message in his ministry. But somehow we have shifted from preaching kingdom culture and we've started 
started preaching a church culture. We have somehow shifted from preaching a kingdom message and we started preaching a church message. And because of church culture, we have gotten a lot of people that have become religious on us to the point that church has almost become a God. And church traditions have become more important than what the word of God actually says about certain things. See, in many cases, this has caused people, people to be stuck in what I call religious bondage. However, in the last days, we see a prophetic word that all of this is going to change and that's where we're at today. And I believe this virus is the beginning of it and I'll explain it at the end of this sermon. But notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations and then shall the end come. We all know that this is a prophetic word that Jesus gave himself concerning the very last days. And in order to understand what he said, we're going to have to understand what he did not say. He did not say when the gospel is preached to all of the world, then the end shall come. Now that is the common translation or the common uh, uh, common way that we read it, that scripture to say. But he said this, when the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations, then shall the end come. Did you notice the words? It's when the gospel of the kingdom is preached around the world, then know the end is near. We are seeing a shift in the spirit in these last days that has taken the church and freeing the church out of religious culture and out of a church culture into a kingdom culture. God is creating a kingdom culture in and the hearts and the minds of his people. Can I have an amen at home? And those that happen to be here, can you shout unto the Lord with me? Because I know that God's doing a great work. Look at the Lord's prayer with me just for a moment in Matthew chapter six. I tell you, I'm about to preach my own self happy here. Matthew chapter six, starting with verse nine, he begins to say this. Say it with me on screen. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we have not seen the fullness of that verse as of yet, but we have only seen that in part. We have never seen the kingdom of God in heaven totally be done upon the earth. We have seen and witnessed windows of it. We've seen shadows of it. We've seen it in pieces. We've seen it during revival times and, and times of refreshing and times of outpouring in times of salvation. But we have not seen it in, a, in the capacity that God wants us to see it. We have not seen a continual uh, uh, operation of the Spirit flowing on a continual basis. We've seen seasons of it, but only in part. We've seen visitations of the Spirit 
but we have not seen the holy inhabitation of the Spirit as of yet. In the last days, according to Jesus, there will be a return of preaching the kingdom message before he comes back. Before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to church, uh, Jesus' own prophecy, the church will be focused upon the kingdom again. It will have a kingdom mentality. God is birthing a kingdom mentality in the heart of the church. Okay, man. It was John the Baptist that was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And what was his message in the very beginning? Repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We see again that the, here that the beginning of the onslaught of Jesus coming up on the scene through the forerunner of John the Baptist, the focus was upon the kingdom. And then we see in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, and when John was put into prison, we see that Jesus came into Galilee preaching the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. And then we also see in Mark 4, verse 17, where he says, from that time Jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was Jesus that said to his disciples in Luke 9 and 27, but I tell you truly, there are some that standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. And then it was Jesus that said again, in which we'll come back to this verse a little bit later in the message, in Mark chapter nine, verse one. And Jesus said unto them, truly I say unto you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God coming with power. In other words, there's gonna come a day that those of you that are standing here, you're not gonna die before you see the kingdom of God come with power. It was the Jews that labeled Jesus Christ as what? The king of the Jews. In order to be a king, then you have to be over a kingdom. And it was the thief that was on the cross right before he was dying. He said, Lord, remember me when you go into your kingdom. How many knows that Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom? Amen. He's the king of the spiritual kingdom that we serve. He's our captain. He is our leader. He is our Messiah. He is our Lord. He is the author and the finisher. He is what this thing's all about. Jesus Christ. But we as believers were born in the kingdom at our new birth. It was Jesus that told Nicodemus in John chapter three, starting with verse one, we hear these words. There was a man of the Pharisees by the name of Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said, Master, we know that thou art a teacher that comes from God because no man can do these miracles that thou doest unless God be with him. And Jesus says, verily, verily, I send you, except a man be born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus being confused, said, how can a man be born again when he is old? Does he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus said, verily, verily, I send you, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter in to the kingdom of God. For that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not what I say unto you, you must be born again. So it was at our conversion, it was at our new birth, it was at our salvation that you and I, as believers in Christ, were born into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. It was Jesus that said in Luke chapter 17, 
starting with verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and he said to them, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God cometh without observation. And neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for you are to know that the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God has been birthed in us at our conversion. When Jesus said the kingdom of God cometh without observation, he did not mean that you and I could not see it or that it would not manifest itself upon the earth. But what he was saying was that the kingdom would not, his kingdom would not be a part of an earthly kingdom. It would not be limited by geographic boundaries or by, phys- by physical power. And this is why that Jesus said in John 18 and 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight and I would not be delivered unto the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. It's not from the world. His kingdom is not only not from the world, but according to Peter in 1 Peter 1 and 11, it's an everlasting kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom. Hallelujah. At salvation, we were born into this thing called the everlasting kingdom, the eternal kingdom. What we are serving right now is eternal. It will not fade away. It will not lose its power. It will not be, it will not just flow up and then fade out in the passing of time, but it's eternal, it's everlasting. It will be here from now on. Can you have an amen? That's why that Jesus told his disciples, hey, don't rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. But there was a shifting and a transitioning that took place on the day of Pentecost, which was the actual coming of the kingdom of God. It's one thing, folks, to be born in the kingdom, but it's another thing for the kingdom of God to be birthed in you. And that's what God's saying to this congregation. One translation of Pentecost might be, it's when the kingdom was born in us. At Calvary, we were born into the kingdom by us calling on the name of the Lord and him washing away our sins. And I thank God that we are saved. But it was at Pentecost that the kingdom was actually birthed in the hearts of men. The firebrand of the spirit burned in the hearts and the souls of the early church because Jesus baptized them with fire. That's why that Matthew 3 and 11, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after I, who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to latch, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. At Pentecost, a shift took place from the disciples being in the kingdom and then the kingdom being in them. Hallelujah. It was Jesus that said to his disciples in Mark 9 and 1 again, there's some of you that's not going to taste death. You're not going to see death until you see the kingdom come with power. This is when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God coming on the day of Pentecost and they experienced it. Pentecost is the empowerment of the kingdom of God. It's what makes it move. It's what makes it function. It might, it, it's what makes it be effective. It's by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I am glad to say that the palace of praise is a Pentecostal denomination, a Pentecostal church that believes in the outpouring, the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit of fire. Amen. This is why the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, 28, I wasn't even going to use this scripture and I couldn't get away from it. Therefore, let us be grateful. Say grateful. Receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. 
Now, I don't have time to break all of that down, but do you understand what he's saying? That when we come before God, we have to have acceptable worship and we got to treat him with reverence and we got to be at all because he's a consuming fire. It is a fire of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and he realized that because of who he is, you are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's a, it's a kingdom that will not be destroyed. It is a kingdom that should stand forever because there's not a force that can overtake it. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Principalities, powers, or rulers, or spiritual wickedness, or, or anything, angels, or, or anything that under the earth or above the earth, there's not anything that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It was Jesus who said himself in Luke 11 and 20, if I, with the finger of God, cast out demons, then know the kingdom of God has come to you. And then Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but it's in power. The kingdom will reveal and confirm itself with power, but the true kingdom will manifest itself in righteousness. There's where we get all messed up. We're focused all on the power, but not the righteousness. It was Paul that said in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want to tell every one of you that are watching by computer and on Facebook or listening to us online or ever how you're hearing this, to understand that God wants to fill us during this time with peace and joy. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to get depressed about. There's nothing to go into hiding about. I'm here to tell you that the kingdom of God that is bringing not only righteousness, but it brings the power of peace and joy in the midst of some of the most trying times upon earth. The spirit of the Lord is our strength. Can I have an amen? And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Too long, the church is focused on the power of the kingdom, but not the righteousness of the kingdom. And can I tell you, the absence of power is nothing more than a manifestation of the absence of righteousness. Divine overflow, divine anointing, divine favor comes to those who's right with God. What does the word righteous mean? Right with God. It was in our text that Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, most familiar text, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. And can I tell you, everything is centered and everything hinges on righteousness. God's kingdom is a righteous kingdom. If you're there at the house, say that with me. God's kingdom is a righteous kingdom. Say it again. God's kingdom is a righteous kingdom. In order for us to see God's will in heaven done on earth, then we have to form and operate in what we call a kingdom culture. Amen? We want to see the power of God move, then we got to form ourselves into his culture, into his kingdom. The purpose of Pentecost and the apostolic anointing and the evangelism, ministries that flow out of that move, is that we bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. That's our job. When, something, when someone gets saved, when someone gets healed, when someone gets delivered, when someone gets touched, you know what that does? That brings a little bit of heaven down to earth. It's forming what we call a kingdom culture. The purpose of the church is not to be a church building where we gather and worship and sing and fellowship. Even though it's important and there's a place for it, I miss that here today. But the real purpose of the church is to bring the kingdom culture to an earth, a culture of righteousness at Calvary. I want you to know justification is what imputed righteousness for you. It's where God looked down 
and judge you to be holy on the basis of what Jesus done for you. It's called a judicial act of God. It's when God looks down and judges you and says, you're justified. You're just as if you have never sinned. Because Jesus, your substitute, took your sins on the cross, nailed them there, and destroyed the ordinances that was against you. And because of that, God has imputed righteousness on your behalf by his judicial act as judge. But then also, he doesn't leave us there. He also regenerates us at Calvary. Titus 3 and 5 says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So now, not only has he imputed righteousness for us, he's imparted righteousness unto us by the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ. He's washed away our sin. He's cleansed us from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, not only is I am called to be holy, I am holy on the basis of regeneration. But at Pentecost, now that which has been imputed and imparted to me has now become empowered to live out. Oh, hallelujah. God is empowering the church to live out righteousness. Amen? We, the church, are to be a counterculture of righteousness that changes our world because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. Our job is to bring the kingdom culture to the earth. Our job is to bring heaven down to the earth. One might ask, well, what's that supposed to look like? What that poster, uh, 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 what's that supposed to sound? Are you excited with me? Because I wanna tell you what God spoke to my heart. He says, I'm gonna, cre- I'm gonna create on the hill there at 1400 Herschel Bess, Herschel Bess Boulevard a kingdom culture of righteousness where when people come in, they're going to taste heaven. Hallelujah. Do you believe that with me? That right here on 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard, when people come to our services, they're going to get a foretaste of divine glory of heaven because we, the people of God, are going to be a righteous people, being right with God, forming a kingdom culture to whereby God's anointing and God's power and God's strength flows through us. Oh, hallelujah. What's this going to look like, this thing called kingdom culture? Is it going to be like we think it's going to be? What's it going to sound like? We have all kinds of cultures within our country. We have, I don't know, we have Indian culture, for example, How do you know that if you're in the Indian culture, you have a particular language that you use, you have a certain traditions that you observe, you have values that you hold to, you have ways of saying things, doing things, and expressing things that are different than everybody else, you have cultural things that make you unique and distinctives that separate you from all the other cultures around you. Each culture has its own customs, has its own traditions, It has its own arts, its social practices, its behaviors, its beliefs, which affects the way that the people live and the way that people express themselves. Some cultures are good, some cultures are bad. Can I have an amen? In America, we have American culture, African culture, Hispanic culture, English culture, German culture, and on and on and on and on the list goes of the different race people. But we don't only have the different cultures that is classified by language groups or by race people, but we also have city culture and rural culture. Did you know that city people and rural people don't live like each other? And we have our own culture? It drives me crazy to be in the concrete uh, jungle up there in the city. 
But nevertheless, here, down here in the rural areas, we live different, we express ourselves different, we talk different, we dress different. Why? Because we're in a different culture. We have a gang culture, we have prison culture, we have street culture, we have transgender culture, we have a southern culture, we have a northern culture. There's all kinds of different cultures in America. We also have religious cultures. Buddhist, Hindu, Islam, Protestant, Roman Catholicism, Scientologists, Mormons, Jehovah Witness, Atheists, Agnostic, and on and on and on of the different religious groups that we have in America that hold to traditions and hold to certain kinds of cultures that it's formed. Regardless if the culture is a race group or a people group or a religious group, each one of these groups formed their own culture by what they were taught, what they experienced, what they like, and what they come to believe. That's what formed that culture. Each one has different sets of values, different traditions, different beliefs in which they live by. And that is what sets them apart from all of the different cultures of the world. It makes them unique. It makes them different. You see where I'm going? You and I are to have a kingdom culture. Our beliefs, our practices, our language, our traditions, our values, our priorities, our customs, our practices, and the way we live and the way we conduct ourselves must be set by this spiritual kingdom culture. Amen? How many knows without holiness no man shall see God? And how many knows that God's kingdom is holy? Amen? The way we dress, the way we speak, the way we look. I'm glad that no one's here because they might throw something at me right now. Let me say it again. The way we dress, the way we walk, the way we speak, the way we look, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we handle ourselves. Did you know a proud look is an abomination to God? Amen? A haughty spirit. The way we react, the way we act must be set by the values and the morals of the kingdom of God. We have so many people doing their own thing from one extreme to another. What one calls permissible in the church, there'll be another one we'll call bondage. What one calls legalistic, another call freedom. What one calls acceptable, one will call sinful. What one says to, I'm going to abstain from, the other will run to. What one calls godly, another will call ungodly. And this has created chaos in the body of Christ where there's no absolutes, no right or wrong in the body, and everybody's confused to what's right and wrong. We have reverted back to the time of the judges when the Bible says that everybody does what's right in their own sight, which was the worst time in history morally. The reason we have so many different beliefs, different values, different morals in the church is because we have become religious and not righteous. Amen? We have formed a church culture, but not a kingdom culture. We have set traditions by what we like instead of what God likes. Come on now. We treat the kingdom of God as a smorgasbord as if we can pick and choose what part of the Bible we want and what a part of the Bible we don't want. We want to pick it as if to say, I like this, but I don't like that aspect of it. And if I'll just do this aspect of it and ignore that aspect of it, I'll still be okay. But Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Amen? Everything we do must be set by kingdom culture. We must ask ourselves, what I'm doing, is it reflective of the kingdom of God, the nature of God, and the word of God? What would Jesus do in this circumstance? One thing I think God is doing with this virus, I'm being honest with you. 
I think that God is driving the church into the streets and stripping us of church traditions and church culture and church lifestyle and church as usual by stripping us of our religion. Amen? Right now, there's gonna be more done by the true body of Christ during these times of crisis than all of our gatherings together could possibly accomplish. Amen? Because the true church is not stalemated by what's done. They're not pushed back. They're not handcuffed. They're not locked up. They're not changed. They're not bound. But those that stooped in religion, they're bound by it. They're fearful. They're falling apart. Can I have an amen? But the true church, it's its greatest time to shine, to be a glorious church, to be a church that expresses the very kingdom of God on earth, giving people hope and inspiration and encouragement and, and, and edification, telling them that there is an answer. It's called the kingdom of God who Christ is the king of. Oh my goodness, help me preach, Lord. Woo! Praise the name of the Lord. I had to get that out. You know what? He, I believe, is creating the last days a work of the kingdom of God in the hearts of his people. Just like on the day of Pentecost, what happened, folks? Oh, they would gather and they would eat with Jesus and they would gather as disciples and they had a great time and all of their ministry was centered around feasting with Jesus at his feet. But at Pentecost, something changed. Prior to Pentecost, they were in the upper room fear of the Jews, hiding, timid, but all the persecution that was going on around. Here we are, we cannot be in hiding. Gotta use wisdom, we got a virus on our hands. I'll deal with that maybe in a little bit. I don't know even if I'm gonna go there. But I'm here to tell you, on the day of Pentecost, when God birthed his kingdom in their hearts, things changed to where they hit the streets. And the very people that Peter denied himself to about who Christ was and when he, roast, when, he, when he warmed himself by the fires of the world and denied Jesus and cursed him and said, I do not know him. Them same people, he went and said, you who with wicked hands has crucified the Lord of glory. And he preached a masterpiece on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people were added to the church. When they come up out of that outer room, where did they go? They hit the streets. They had kingdom mentality. Amen, and God is showing us that he's stripping us of a service mentality to a servant mentality. That isn't to say that we're never gonna gather again, but I wanna tell you something. If the only time you have victory and the only time you have power and the only time that you worship and the only time that you feel holy and the only time that you have devotion and the only time that you really give God any kind of due reverence is when you come to the house of God, you do not have a kingdom culture. Amen. These next two weeks will show us just what kind of a culture really lies within us. Will we still worship? Will we still have devotions? Will we still pray? Will we still give? Will we still minister? Will there be time set aside this week in the houses? Will we have time alone with God? Amen? Will we minister to our neighbors, our friends, and the people that come in contact with who are scared and fearful? Will we have answers? Or are we gonna jump on the bandwagon with them and not have any solution, not have any answer? Do, are, are, are we going to touch earth with a little bit of heaven during these times of crisis and be the true church of Jesus Christ? Or are we going to crash because we didn't have a church service? 
Somebody asked me, said, Pastor, what are you doing this for? Well, number one, there's several reasons. I don't have time to get into all of them. But one, I want to tell you something, folks. If just two church services causes us great damage in the kingdom, we didn't have much in the first place. Can I have an amen? There's one thing I know. Righteousness, though, however, cannot be legislated. You are not going to become righteous by feeling a little bit of conviction by this and say, okay, I'm going to start living out the law. The law has brought awareness to you. It's the schoolmaster that teaches you that something is wrong, that I've not been the true church. I don't have a kingdom culture the way that I should, but I cannot legislate it and force it to happen in your life. No matter how good a preaching I do, no matter how much I bring it down, you can't legislate it. You know why? I've seen that with Gomer and Hosea. Hosea loved Gomer with all of his heart. She was a prostitute and he married her. And it was what God had told him to do to give Israel an object lesson. Because what God said, the way Gomer treats Hosea, meaning Savior, his name meaning Savior, the way that this prostitute treats Hosea, the Savior, is the way that Israel, his, his bride, is treating him, God. Here's Gomer. Here's Hosea. Hosea loves her. So much that he says, okay, he'd go out time after time and find her in the streets, abused and poor and sickly. He'd bring her home and nourish her and nurture her and, and put the oil of, oil of and salve in her wounds and, and he would nurse her back to health and then she'd leave again. And finally he decided, you know what I'm gonna do? He locked the gates that goes out to the city from his dwelling and then he planted thorns and hedges all the way around his house to where she could not get back out into the streets. He tried to legislate righteousness in her heart, tried to somehow make her love him the way he loved her. But nevertheless, when she got well, what did she do? She walked out and she inflicted pain in herself by going through the hedge of thorns and cut herself up so she could go back out into the streets in order to prostitute herself. That could not be legislated. And the only way that you're going to be righteous here today is by hearing the word of the Lord, being convicted by the law, because the law is what shows you you're wrong, and then let the law of God be birthed in you instead of you trying to work out law let Christ put law in you. And it cannot be written down with ink to where you read it off of pages. It's got to be written on your heart by the finger of God. It's the firebrand of the Holy Spirit when we come and we say, God, I want to be a part of the true church. I want in these last days to be called one of the chosen. I want to be in the inner group. I want to be in that level where there's fire, where there's passion, where there's ministry, where I'm not afraid, where I'm not intimidated, when I'm not in, where I'm not hindered, where I'm not handcuffed, where I don't have strongholds. I want to be free in Jesus Christ. It's got to be a spiritual thing. Blessed, the Bible says, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Now, I was going to preach a whole sermon on this, and the Lord kind of changed it, that, so I didn't change it as my text. But what does it mean to be poor in spirit? It does not mean to have a lack of spirit. You know what it means? It means to be humble. It means to be broken. It means to be contrite. It means to be having a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. It means to be meek. It means to be gentle. Amen? Blessed are the poor in spirit, the broken, come on, the humble. 
What are we hearing in the last days? We're hearing people spread all kinds of discord among the body of Christ right now. When the body of Christ needs to come together and be unified, we have the body working against itself in the last days. Why? Religious spirits, religious culture, church culture, church beliefs that's been formed out of a culture that's not a part of the kingdom. There are people criticizing preachers, getting up, and all they're preaching is about how bad all the churches of the world is but theirs because everybody's canceled and they have it. That they're their true church because they are not afraid and they're so in power and blah, 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 blah. And then you got all these people saying amen, amen, amen. And they're saying, won't they go to the, the true church will be in the hospitals laying hand on all the sick and everybody's amen in them, but everybody that's amen in them are not doing one thing to do anything about it. It's craziness. That is a religious culture. And I want to tell you, it is a haughty spirit. It is a prideful spirit. And you know, it's harmful because it's spreading discord among the brethren, which is an abomination to God. The very thing that they think is holy is unholy. Come on, help me preach right here for a moment. And God is saying that that which is going to be revealed in power is going to be revealed through moral humility. Moral what? Humility and humbleness and grace. And in we, the last day church, will not be a flamboyant, arrogant church. It'll be a church of brokenness and contriteness. It'll be a church with gratitude and thanksgiveness. And we will offer pure worship to God. And we will stand it all at who he is, realizing who and what we were. And we'll understand it's because of him and him alone that the kingdom is not shaken. Oh, hallelujah. Man, people can turn off their computer. I may preach till two o'clock today. Hallelujah. We're in a time that God's speaking to our church. This is the season, the time in which God is ready to rain down righteousness upon us. Those that's struggling, God's saying, I can take care of your struggle. Those that's fearful, you don't have to be fearful. You don't have to be afraid. This is the beginning of the last days and God's preparing himself a people. I ask you, as a body, right now is the time to be the church. Amen? The church ain't about gathering at 9th and Cedar, our 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard. I'm so used to saying that for 20 years. It's not a time just about gathering at the palace. It's about as we gather at the palace, what do we do with our gathering and our experiences as we go out those doors? And are we ministering, touching, affirming, blessing, Declaring, folks, I want to tell you something. Don't let any negative thing come out of your mouth during the time of this virus. Speak peace. Speak healing. Speak power. Speak God. Speak kingdom. Come on, somebody, help me preach. God, without a shadow of a doubt, is telling the church, this is your greatest time. It's not a time that we're in defeat. It's not a time of weakness. This is a time of greatness right now. Let God's kingdom come into our minds. Let us be kingdom-minded by allowing God to form a kingdom culture within every single one of us. We have the answer. I'd like for my musicians to come if they would. And thank God for you wonderful musicians who's come and helped us during this service. I want to thank you with all of my heart. Amen. Right now is a crucial time when we at the palace can really be a true called anointed church.
It's a time that people are going to look to us for answers. They're going to ask questions. They're going to be fearful and they're going to make statements. You're going to have to calm down and be bold enough to say, hey, ho, 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 don't say those things. Let me give you a different perspective. Let me give you a different thought on this. Our body has already been calling in around my house and on my cell phone and giving me texts of some of the things that's happening in the world. And one lady told me, man, I cannot believe the amount of opportunity that I've had this week to speak to people that I've been trying to speak to for years. And this virus has got their attention. And I want to tell you what's going to get their attention more in reality when they really start shutting everything down and there's no place to go and there's no distractions and they got time on their hands and the idle mind is sitting there and it's the devil's workshop and before long fear overtakes them and, and, and they don't know what to do with themselves and they're bored and, and there's, all of this brings on all kinds of guilt uh, uh, or, or emotions of depression and, and emotions of fear and emotions of sadness and unhappiness and, and they're unfulfilled and they don't know what to do and they don't know where to go and they see everybody storing up food and they go into the, uh, the stores and the shelves are bare and it brings fear and thought, what are we going to do if this continues and they're losing their jobs and they're not able to work and their money supplies being getting shut in half and everybody's saying, oh, the world's coming to an end. Tell them, no, the world's not coming to an end. This is the time that God's reaching out to America to humble her and break her in order that America might be saved. I prophesy to you today by faith that our greatest times, not only as a church, but as a nation, is in our near future. I'm telling you, our nation is not over, folks. But for sure, I can prophesy this and be 100% accurate. I can prophesy the kingdom of God will always flourish. The kingdom of God will always be around. The kingdom of God will always be everlasting. And the people that are tied to that kingdom will be protected and will forever be the, under, the, uh, under the wings of the Almighty. And anything that happens to them, even though it be death, yet it will be to their advantage. Because God's going to take care of his own. I'm going to ask you right there in your houses where you're at today, I want you to pray. I want you to get your family wrapped around. And I want you to commit. If this goes on, we got to pull neighbors over to our house to watch the broadcast with us. we got to pull neighbors over to our house to have devotions with us. we got to start having our devotions more regular because we're not getting it at the church the way that we should. And we are not, our kids are not getting taught on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings. Our kids has got to be a part of what we're doing. we got to create a kingdom culture. And the only way that kingdom culture can come is by us being born into the kingdom and then out on the Holy Spirit to write that kingdom and desires upon our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the empowerment of that kingdom. I'm gonna ask you to join together with your family right now and begin to seek the Lord with all of your heart. Seek the Lord with all of your soul. Seek the Lord with all of your might. Love the Lord your God with all thy strength, with all thy soul, and with all of our might. Because the Bible says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall be called the children of God. To become pure and righteous before him, the righteous kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray over the palace family right now. As much as I miss them gathered together with me here today, God, and as much as I want to embrace them and love them and shake their hands and hug their necks and as much as I want to be with them yet God I know that you've got a greater purpose in mind or this would not be happening and I pray that God we the Palace of Praise family 
would understand that the greater purpose of what you're trying to do is what we got to get plugged into, that we cannot get so focused upon the virus that we miss to call on the commission of what you're wanting to do, what want us to do during this time of this virus. We're not to be afraid, yet we're to be respectful. We're to obey the authorities over us. We're to work in harmony. We're to, we're to follow suit with what we know to do. And God, I ask you to lead this body, God, into the things of the spirit realm that will cause us to bring a little heaven down on earth during these trying times. The only hope that some people will have is the hope of the palace family reaching them wherever they're at. Because lots of those people will never turn on a computer. They'll never watch a television. They'll never go into a church service where, where there is preaching. But us as living epistles, living out our lives, living out the kingdom culture can be a witness in a Bible that they can read. And we can be an arm extended. We can be a, a part of, of the body that reaches out and brings healing and hope and encouragement in these dark times. God, please empower your body to be such a body. Don't let us get so wrapped up in all this religious stuff. But let us be doing what we are called to do. We just declared in our declaration that each and every one of us will understand our purpose in Christ. And we will flow in the anointing and we'll see the manifestation of the presence of God by what we've come to submit to and operate in. But God, it's got to be the right kind of culture. It's got to be a kingdom culture that is heaven sent. Help us to become heaven sent people. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, break every religious spirit, every God church culture that's got a hold of us and God, strip it from us and begin to bathe our hearts in the culture of the kingdom of God. I pray blessings upon this church family. I pray blessings upon the Palace of Praise family. I pray healing, health, and hope, wholeness to every single one of them. I pray peace and prosperity. That which God that you have ignited and started and the momentum that we have gained, I just expect it, God, even in the time of crisis to continue. It will not fade away. I declare it in Jesus' name. Bless them. Minister to them and through them during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I quit and before we close out, realize that our phones is open. Our email is up. We're, we're, we're doing all that we can to minister as a staff. Know that we have been asked not to be visiting the hospitals unless it's a dire, dire, dire emergency. So our, our hospital teams and myself are not able to go visit. Matter of fact, when people go to the hospital, only one family member is able to go to many of them. So don't think that we don't love you if you get in the hospital with a sickness and it's not unto death and we're not there. But we, we want to know about it. We want to be praying for you. We want to be seeking the Lord. We have prayer teams already that's beginning to be established. I've talked to some people myself and they're coming and they're praying some of them are doing it on their own. Some of them are forming groups. And they're wanting to know about our prayer request. And they're wanting to be a part of praying over the body. So our prayer emphasis is growing. So we want you to know that you are loved, that you are cared for. And that anything that you might need of us, please call. 
and at least let us know the need. And if we can respond in any fashion, form, or way, we will. We'll be there as much as humanly possible. But mainly of all, our prayers will be with you and our love will be with you. And we want to know about the things that's going on that we might be able to bring grace to your fears and, and your concerns. We love you. May the Lord bless you. We'll be in touch. We'll be using social media. I'll be using it. And Brother West will be using it. Brother Zach and Brother Mike's going to be using it and ministering to the children and the youth. And we're going to be doing some devotions online, some different things. You'll be hearing me address certain issues along the way. May God bless you and prosper you and be with you. And may everything you do bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. Create a kingdom culture in your community, in your home, in your hearts. May live all in your family. In Jesus' name, God bless you.